Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Career Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Avila, and today's guest is Sheila Murphy, and she is the president and CEO of Focus Forward Consulting, a career consulting company that deals with executive coaching, business consulting, career development, public speaking, training, all geared towards new up-and-coming lawyers. She was a former Fortune 50 senior legal advisor, and we'll talk about her journey from the beginning to now being president and CEO of this consulting company. And through this, we talk about how she gained enormous success as both a lawyer and now starting her own company. Even though she didn't exactly know what she wanted originally, she kind of stumbled into certain careers just because she was exploring different things. And so talking about how we don't necessarily always have a focus, but she definitely advises gaining a focus. We talk about her overcoming fear in multiple ways, mostly in terms of public speaking. Now she coaches people on public speaking. She gives public speeches regularly. You can hear her on this podcast. She does not sound like she has a fear of public speaking, but when talking about it, she mentioned not only was she afraid, but she was petrified, so much so that it hindered some opportunities that she might have gained if she wasn't so afraid. And so we talk about her steps and her advice towards overcoming that fear of public speaking. One really cool thing that she mentioned in here was how one small act during a business meeting where she decided to overcome her anxiety and fear and raise her hand to volunteer for an opportunity potentially changed the entire track of her career and started giving her this newfound confidence piece by piece. And so I thought it was really interesting just how one small change, one small act of kind of overcoming this fear could change the trajectory of your life. And we also talk a lot about networking. Sheila mentions how she started this business, Focus Forward Consulting, primarily through networking, through networks she had built up for a long time in her long legal career. And her brilliant, amazing advice for people that want to network, and particularly maybe people that are more afraid introverted or afraid of public speaking or reaching out. Um, And we also talk a little bit about work-life balance and how important that can be and how that's been changing over the few years. If you'd like to find her, you can find her on LinkedIn. We will post that in our social media. And without further ado, please enjoy Sheila Murphy. everyone, welcome to the Career Journey Podcast, where we explore exciting careers and how to get them from the people who flipped it. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Avila. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Well, thank you, Sheila, for coming on today. How are you? I'm th- fine. How are you doing? Thrilled Good. to be here. <laughs> so it's really easy podcast. We just listened to kind of your story, which seems an exciting story by what I know already. And so I like to just start with, did you have any idea or any plans of what you wanted to do when you were a child? I think I thought about being a lawyer at one point. And then as I got older, I thought, oh, I don't like to speak in public. This is not probably going to be the profession for me. And so I think I put it to the back burner, but it was always lurking. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any other ideas 
besides being a Hot- I wanted to run a hotel Ooh, at one point. interesting. I haven't heard that one yet. I thought it'd be really cool to like be in charge of a hotel and the staff and do themes. Um, there used to be, if you're my age, used to be a TV series called Hotel. And I think that's probably where wow. it started from. But I thought, wow, that would be really cool to be in charge of just a mini business with all sorts of interesting people coming in and out. Every day, a different day. Yes. <laughs> oh, how exciting. So how did you... You did end up going to law school, correct? I did, yes. So how did you end up deciding to do that from kind of that lurking feeling in the background to actually going into it? Yeah, I I think I just felt that this is where I wanted to go. And I felt that it was a career path that made sense for me in that um, there seemed to be a lot of opportunities for women and it wasn't really number-based or science-based. Well, I guess I did okay in both of those. It wasn't really my passion. And so I thought this could be it. And to be honest, a lot of people end up in law school because they're not quite sure where they else to go. And I think I might've fallen a little bit in that camp. We get a lot of that in psychology as well. People are trying (laughs) to figure themselves out or figure out where to go. (laughs) Right, and it seemed prestigious. It seemed like a good place to go. Right. And did you make that decision in high school or it, while you were already in college? I was in college when I made it. I think I had been thinking about it because I remember like I joined some lawyers club in high school, but I was a business major undergrad. And so I think that I was contemplating whether or not I wanted to sort of switch, but I stayed with the law school. Okay. And, and what was that process like going from changing from business major to actually applying to law schools? Well, I, I, would tell, I would tell this to anyone. I actually graduated about a year early, a little bit less than a year early. And I did a little bit in business and worked a little bit. But if I had to go back, I would say I probably should have understood a little bit more about what I was getting myself into yeah. as well, you know, research it and work and had a better sense of what it was to be a lawyer. I really think that I sort of had no clue even when I showed up at the first day of law school. And there were these people who had thought about it, worked in law firms, understood what was going to go on. And I was sort of just, eh, I'm here, you know, (laughs) we'll see what happens. And, you know, probably totally unprepared for how seriously some other people had taken this thought process and um, were really intentional about their careers. Yeah. And I think that's really common. I see myself included. I kind of lucked into where I was going with no idea what I was in for, but I see that a lot with students now trying to go to graduate school and you ask them why they want to go to a specific graduate school and they have no idea. Or you even ask them what specific graduate school do you want to go to? And they have no idea. They just know that they need to go to some post-secondary school. So I think it's very common. And I think it's, you, you should try to be a little bit more thoughtful. In retrospect, I was just speaking to a woman whose son finished law school and decided after a year of being a lawyer, it, it wasn't for him. And now is in um, business school getting his MBA. I mean, and it's very costly to get these grad degrees. Absolutely. And so thinking a little bit about it and talking to people who might be in the positions you're thinking about as, as to what actually you want to do with, you know, what it's like, first of all, because we all have these misconceptions, right. but two, then, is this really what I want to do? 
And it's hard because it's hard to get experience as a lawyer, as a psychologist, unless you're in that field, it's kind of hard to get experience. But like you're saying, reaching out and talking to somebody in that field and asking them what they don't like about their job, I think could be helpful too, because everybody has an aspect of the job they don't like. Well, it's so funny. When I used to interview people to work for me, I would tell them about the worst parts of the job. Like these are the things that people hate about working at this company or in this job. Because I always wanted people to like never be able to say, well, no one told me that that was part of the job. Right. And I'm like, no, I I told you. I went through everything that people have ever complained to me about working here and you made an informed decision. Right. Um, That's a really great interview tactic. (laughs) I don't know how many people I scared away, but it was sort of, (laughs) because I had this thing of transparency in my leadership and that. I wanted people to make informed decisions and not every place is the right place for everybody. Absolutely. I've had people work for me and I've worked with them to find a better place for them. And it's not that they're not smart or talented, just different cultures, different skill sets are more valued at different places. Absolutely. And I think it's easy to get lost in this idealistic nature of careers too, of, Oh, I want to be a lawyer. It's prestigious. It's nice. It's, this, it's that. And we forget that, oh, there's going to be downsides, right? You're going to be working long hours. You're going to be doing these. And when I was a young lawyer that you normally sent you to warehouses to look through documents for like months at end and like, yeah, nothing says glamour, like, you know, a sweaty (laughs) man, you know, warehouse. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And then, so you decided to go to law school and you entered law school. What was that like? Was it pretty intense? It was, but again, I, and you'll see this as a theme probably until longer in my career than I would like to admit. I really didn't think about my career. So I was not really, I mean, I did well, but I wasn't a star pupil at law school. Um, and I didn't think about how career planning should go. I had an idea of what I wanted to do, which was um, because I, at that point, had this fear of speaking in public I wanted to be what I called a mole attorney, which is someone who just sort of sat in a dingy basement and turned out documents and people came to, you know, and you did your work and you didn't have to speak to anyone. You didn't have to network. And that to me sounded like a great thing. I could just sort of do my own thing and I'd be really happy. Yeah. I always say, I I think I could have been a good lawyer if I could have done that type of lawyer. I'm not very good at arguments and the whole courtroom drama, I guess, that we see on TV. And then... I didn't realize there was another way <laughs> to be a lawyer. Well, um, there is this corporate thing, but then I turned up at my law firm and they asked, told me you're going to go to court, you know, on day right. one. They, re- they needed another person to go to court. And that oh, wow. absolutely happened to me. And I, my heart like dropped. And so I went through my years at the law firm feeling like a fraud, feeling, you know, while I was really good at certain aspects of my job and put on big cases because I could connect facts and this it was just this thing that this isn't what I was meant to be. I don't speak to people. I don't right. do this. And yeah, so not, not very intentional in my career. So it's going to be one of those do as I say, not as I did type. Well, of I, I like that. Cause I feel there's a lot of people out there that are the exact same way, just kind of stumbling. I was the same way. I stumbled into a lot of different things. And so it's great yeah, to hear was- that somebody else went through that. And it really what turned my head around where I became more intentional was when I went uh, to work for a company, um, there was a guy there who worked with me and he really wasn't the greatest lawyer, 
but he had such bravado and confidence and he was friendly with the CEO and friendly with this person and developed relationships and had all this confidence to say what he was thinking, which in my humble opinion was usually wrong. <laughs> and so that was bothering me. And I used to, I remember sitting in rooms thinking, how does this guy say this stuff when it's so off base? And then he got promoted. And I was like, what? How do you, how does this happen? And it's because he was confident and he yeah. told people what he thought and he did this. And it sort of made me um, think, not just about my own career, but the fact that the company was paying me for my thought leadership and I wasn't giving it to them because, and it said this person was. Right. And, but by the time he left the company, he worked for me. But it, it so right. that's really was like sort of that changing moment where I started to think more intentionally about my career and probably some of the things I should have done earlier on. Um, but it took a while. Yeah. And so I want to get back to how you transitioned to this, but I like this story so much. I'm going to stay here for a minute. How did you end up getting to that spot where he ended up working for you? How did you move from being a little bit more kind of nervous about engaging in that thought leadership to actually doing it? I, I, it took, and these changes don't happen overnight. And I think now and then people think when you're trying to change yourself in a career development or personal way, like, wow, I'm going to decide that I'm going to start talking. It, you know, it just <laughs> doesn't happen that way. Um, but I started being more thoughtful about what I said when I said and took chances and started, you know, first time I had written out what I was going to say on a topic. Right. <laughs> and then after a few weeks, it became bullet points. And then eventually I could just talk about it and feel comfortable. Um, and then I was more intentional. Like there was volunteering for, I always volunteered to work on matters, but again, in the background, that right. was my thing. And then there were some sort of big strategic projects that the general counsel was looking for a volunteer. And I raised my hand. And he was like, yeah. And it changed in a lot of ways my career, the raising that hand for that one project because yeah. people got to see how I thought, um, how I was looking at things. I started to be a little bit more thoughtful about networking and developing relationships. And, you know, it's so it took, it took, it didn't happen overnight, but it was amazing once I started to talk, I, people started to realize that the, the difference in our, in our way of approaching problems. And people started to realize that mine was probably the right way. And so I was being even asked to advise on certain matters he was handling. Like, can Sheila, what would be your thoughts? Because you've worked on something similar. So, but it's, it, again, this is not like, oh, I'm going to wake up today and change how I approach life. It, yeah, I'm going to be a completely baby different steps. person this morning. <laughs> yeah, it, and, it, and it's, it's a lot of also talk, you know, you, you, your mind plays tricks on you, tells your story. So it's trying yeah. to get that all in control too. Well, and it's great advice because it's changing small things, right? So like you said, writing out everything you were going to say, and then it just develops over time to get easier and easier to where you didn't need to write down anything. And then a small act like raising your hand, I bet that was extremely nerve wracking for you. And if I were in that situation, I would have almost talked myself out of it. I've done this a million times too, where I do the same thing and making that leap and then having it reinforced. It was a good thing. Okay. People started listening to me and then it becomes easier over time. And then you start changing. 
Yeah, it, as you start getting that positive, and now and then there was some negative that came out of this, and you had you know take it as a learning experience, yeah. and you know, but and then try to get back on the horse and try again. Yeah. So let's go back a little bit because I wanted to see more linearly your trajectory. So you went to law school, and then did you say it was your first? job that you had that experience where they threw you into court? <laughs> yes, that was my first job. Okay. Um, I worked in day one and they said, I thought I was going to turn out corporate documents. And they said, no, 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 no. We need someone else to go to court. <laughs> and, <laughs> and down they trotted me and I was like, okay, I could quit now. But my mother who had helped, you know, had paid for law school was probably have not been thrilled with me if I had decided to quit <laughs> on my first day. Um, and again, yeah, so that was, the, so I was at, in a trial sort of thing. And I think I was the, I guess the third woman in the department at that point. Uh, so it was, it was sort of an interesting dynamic. I had just never really thought about it until then. And yeah. um, but yeah, so I stayed there at the law firm. I'm thinking I'd had my first child for so six or seven years and then decided that I wanted to, do something. And it was clear because I had gone part-time and this is different. You know, I am not a spring chicken. So this was a while ago. And it, once I had gone part-time at that point, ca your career options changed. It right. wasn't like today. Today there's a lot more flexibility and um, championing people who might be looking at a different way. And so I thought and if by going to a company, I might have more opportunities for a career without you know, working around the clock. Okay. And so then where, so you went to more of the business side. I went to, right? a, yeah, I went to, um, I did the same thing. I stayed in litigation being a trial okay. sort of lawyer, but I went into uh, MetLife, which was a company and I got that through a friend. So this, you know, it, the story, you know, one of the stories is having that network. And there was someone who I had worked with at the firm who became a legal recruiter and she knew um, my strengths and she had a position come up and she's like, you need to go to this company. Great, this is yeah. the right place for you. And so, so you were there for 24 years. What was the, obviously it was a positive experience to some extent to keep you that there that long. What, what did you like about that position, especially versus um, the previous one? What I liked about working in an in-house position is the ability to understand and get to know the business and be there both for the problems that went wrong, where you'd, you know, be, or allegedly went wrong from a litigation or regulatory standpoint, and, you know, maybe work on fixing things going forward. So being part of a team that's not just there to drop in and parachute, but to continue to sort of partner with the business and there was just so much at a, the company that was going on. I got to do the type of work I loved, which was strategy mm -hmm. and um, how to position cases and understanding them where sometimes at a law firm, it takes a long time to get to that position where in-house you're, you're given a, either a lot of responsibilities very quickly. And sometimes you have like, you know, a small claims case and then a class action at the same time. And so you're navigating all of that. And then what I really loved as I was there and going up the ladder is I started getting teams. And really what my passion was is talent development and working with teams. So I've loved the business aspect of being in-house. And by that, I mean 
How do we do things better? How do we provide better service to our internal clients? How do I develop a team that is stronger? How do I serve the people who work for me in the best way possible? And how did you realize that you had a passion for that team development? Did that kind of slowly start to creep in or did you suddenly realize this is something I really like? It's funny. I think it was a slowly crept in and then people, I started getting a reputation of being really good at it. Oh, like yeah. people on my teams, I, I don't know if I was good at selecting talent or developing or probably a combination. Oh. Cause I, you know, I had the people who worked for me have a, you know, none of this would have worked if they didn't put in the time and the effort and if they weren't incredibly talented. Right. Um, but it, it was just trying, I also like seeing people as individuals and understanding how they think and operate and trying to find the, the place that an approach that would best suit them so they could be successful. And I was really tied to my team's success. And it, it didn't have to be with me. Like I said, many of them left me and went to work in other parts of the company or elsewhere. And I thought that was great that I had done my job with them if they could find a place where they could have a great impact. Yeah, and then to watch their careers develop and know that you had a small hand in it, at least. Yeah, and, I, and most of them, I still keep, I keep in touch with a lot of them, and which is nice, too. And their careers have continued. So, so it wasn't really all that much about me, more about them, but I took credit back then and said it was about me. Of course, we all do, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so what went into the decision to leave that if you liked that job and you liked specifically that part of it? I know you said you stayed there for 24 years, so you're not there now, I take it. No, I retired from there uh, when I hit my retirement age, when I got my pension. And it had to do with the th love of talent development. A couple of years before that, I started thinking about what I really wanted to do for the next 10, 15 years. And I started to think about different alternative lives. Right. And so I, I researched and I just, and I knew I loved developing talent and working with lawyers, both inside and outside. And in my volunteer work, I was working with lawyers, mostly who were at law firms, helping them learn how to develop business, mostly women because there's a huge gap in terms of the number of women who uh, are developing business and what their compensation is. And I, that just bothered me. So I would work with people as I try to help them. And I realized I loved it. And so I went through this journey of thinking about what this could look like. And I did what I told people to do in the beginning as I talked to a lot of people. I talked to people in all sorts of walks of talent development, business development, what could it look like? Should I be on my own? Should I maybe go to another company, a law firm? And just to understand what I wanted to do and the ups and downs for each approach. And I decided finally to launch my own business at the end of the day. Nice. So. And I really like this conversation for two reasons. One, my husband does retirement planning essentially for um, people. And then I've recently started to think about my own and I'm early career. So I've got a long ways yeah. to go, but I need to plan for that. And so what goes into that decision to retire from the company instead of stay there and then to kind of create your own company and your own ideas after that? Um, one, you know, I am a lawyer, so we are fairly risk averse. So <laughs> it was what you were saying about the financial planning aspect of it. Yeah. What, you know, what ha had I put myself in a position 
that I could sort of take this leap. And I, having talked to a lot of women entrepreneurs yet, but um, one of the big things they say is making sure your bank account is in order. Right. And so, and that you have planned, um, because you're not going to launch a business and have 30, you know, people clamoring at the door at the first moment to come in and pay you exorbitant fees. There's yeah. a process. So I had thought about my financial situation and what that looked like and whether it was the right time and then made adjustments and did some other strategic things in terms of my money so that I was in a position where I felt comfortable retiring. You know, I was eligible for my pension at that point, but um, you know, I wanted to be in the better position. Right. And so I went through that. And then I, like I said, I talked to a lot of people and I talked to people who actually did something similar to what I was doing. What did you have to get in order? Like, what does it look like your first year? What, you know, what are the things you're going to need to do? What are the expenditures? So really a lot of long-term planning. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I got all that lined up, I decided that everything was lined up the way it should be for me to do this. And if I didn't do it, I would never do it. Right. And I really wanted to do it. <laughs> and so um, I just sort of took the leap. And you know, so far it's worked out great. And it was like the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> and what does that look like? So you had everything pretty much lined up to launch, but then obviously something had to have changed once you actually started the company. So what, what did that venture kind of look like for you on a day-to-day -day basis? I mean, I had everything ready to launch. I had, you know, I, and the other thing people, you should, when you're thinking about launching a business, think about also your dollars, your, your network and what your product's going to be like. Mm -hmm. And I was in pretty good shape and it was going well. Um, I wanted it to do better. And so I actually did what I have tried to get my clients to do. And I invested in my own business coach who has pushed me to do things differently than I had been. And it has paid off tremendously, just as I hope that what I do pays off for my clients. And yeah. so, and I did that, I would say halfway into the pandemic. So that also was not part of the business plan. The business plan did not include a pandemic. Um, <laughs> <Never> <laughs> so I had, just did not include that. And, um, but I had to practice what I preach, which is you gotta be able to pivot. Right. And so we moved a lot of the stuff I was doing to virtual. Um, and I've actually increased during the pandemic, my network, my clientele. I didn't have international clients last year. Now I have clients internationally. Yes. I've expanded my network. So even though I've been um, stuck at home, you're not really stuck at home. There's a whole other world out there if you're willing to sort of take a risk. So the person who wanted to sit in the dingy basement has sort of come full circle. <laughs> Yeah, now you can sit in the dingy basement and basement. still do face-to-face. -face. And talk to people in Australia who are running legal departments and get yeah. to know them. And it, it, in New Zealand, it's just, it's a, if you're willing to sort of try to do things differently, which I think is going to be sort of the theme for the next year or two, yeah. as people are trying to figure out what, I don't want to say new normal, but better normal, better, whatever it's going to be emerges. Yeah, and I think that's one of, positives. I always hate to say that a positive comes out of a pandemic, but one of the things that came out of that is this idea that we can be a little bit more global without having to travel globally. So now you can have clients in Australia without having to fly all the way to Australia and 
you can expand your business a little bit more. It opens up a lot more markets, um, perspectives. It's, it's interesting uh, how the world is unfolding in all of this. It seems to be even getting smaller. While, while we can't travel to see, see each other, we're getting to know each other in a different way. Yeah. And so I would like to talk a little bit about maybe some of the emotions that went into starting this business. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it might have been a little frightening. I mean, I know you were seasoned at that point in business and litigation and all of that, but was it frightening to take this leap or were you pretty much ready once everything was lined up? I, I was ready. Um... I wasn't, there were some things I wasn't prepared for and I hadn't researched as much as I would have. And if someone came to me, I'd probably have a different perspective than the people I talk to about certain things you may want to think about. All of which is good, but it, it was just different than I anticipated. Um, but the one thing that was interesting to me was how much of my identity had been wrapped up in being this as a senior vice president at Fortune 50. Right. And getting over, like being able to give your title and where you worked and having instant credibility. Right. You know, you were viewed a certain way. And so this was, it was interesting to see how much of my ego had become part of that position and how I had to change about how I thought. Even though this is really what I wanted to do and it was the right decision for me, there is still sort of... Um, a shift in your thinking when you've been in a sort of hierarchical company for yeah. so long that you're tied to it. And he, now there's no people, you don't have that credibility and you don't have a support system at first. And, and I mean, I, you have peers, and you have your personal board of directors and you have all those things, but on the day to day, you're making those decisions. It's not like you're going to the coffee cooler and saying, you know, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? It's really your company and um, you've got to make the calls on a lot of things. And sometimes they seem like small ones, but you're just like this or that. And there's just not that person to um, ask, what do you think? Right. And you mentioned in the beginning to help you get everything lined up, you relied on kind of a network. You asked people what they had done, what their opinions were. Did you already have that network built in or did you have to find people in a new way? I mean, the one thing I, when I did the switch way back when, one thing I did work on was having a great network. So I had, I've built that up over years and I've been there for people over years. So when I reached out to those who I thought could help me, they were extremely generous with their time, but not only just their time, people in their network who I didn't know. Oh. And one friend had sent me to like five people in her network. And one of those people sent me to someone in her network. And that person sent me, and so it went like down three or four layers. And I've gotten to be really good friends with a couple of those people, like the three or fourth layer down. Right. But, you know, it's also getting over that fear of asking, you know, I just need some advice. And people are extraordinarily generous. And it's been surprising as I've gone on this journey, some of the people I spoke to, who I thought was going to be a one day, one time coffee. I have since then now ended up through circumstances being at conferences or this with them and gotten to be very good friends with them. So 
it's, yeah. But I would say the number one indicator of success, and I think the research shows us that, is having a good network, no matter what profession you're in. Yeah, and I noticed with young people going into careers, that's one of the most kind of anxiety provoking thing. Um, I hear from students all the time who, how do I network? What do I do? Especially since most of their communications have been kind of online. Um, you know, I, a couple of things I recommend is, it's just really developing friendships and relationships, especially yeah. when you're young in your career and not shutting people out and being open to it. And if you also surround yourself with people who want to succeed, they'll push you. And as they go up the ladder, you're going up the ladder or there right. maybe they're a little bit ahead of you and they can help you. And that's what you want. So it's really, because a lot of the times when I was developing these friendships, it wasn't for this career down, you know, 15 years down the road. It was because I found these people generally interesting and fun to hang out with. Um, and I always wanted to be there for them. And so, and the networking isn't going to the conferences. It's really the relationship building that happens after the conference. Right. If, you know, no one has ever like had a single glass of wine and a bad piece of cheese <laughs> at a conference and, you know, hired someone. There, there's a whole process to it. Yeah, following up. And following up and, you know, and people are always afraid to follow up with people who are more senior. And I will tell you, I, for some reason, did it with three women who I sat next to when we could sit, you know, next to people at conferences as opposed to Zoom rooms. And we just started talking and I didn't realize, I guess for one of them, I knew how senior she was, but the other two, no. And then we just said, oh, let's do lunch together. And it was very casual. And I actually did the follow-up and these women became really um, forces in my career and how I thought about things. Yeah, and I completely agree. I think my ideas around networking completely shifted when I realized, oh, I'm just trying to build friendships or make new friends or I can just ask people that I'm interested, hey, I'm interested in your career. Like, can you talk about it? Um, and like you said, people are really generous. People love talking about what they did and helping other people get there. And as I said, sometimes you don't hear back from them, but next opportunity, it's not a no, it's moves, it's next opportunity. You're moving on to the next thing. And, you, and you'll find people who will. And um, a friend of mine, when she was very young, ended up writing a book about all these senior people because she just reached out to them. And a lot of them responded, yes. She said, not every one of them did. She was, but more than I had anticipated. Right. And so she was able to turn those conversations into her first book. That's awesome. Yeah. And so where do you see this career going or have you really thought about kind of the future steps or is everything just kind of going how you've been? I, I, so I, far? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have been thinking about the future steps. Um, how big do I want to grow this? I mean, like I said, I retired. How long do I want to work? What does work look like at this point in my life? I also wanted to retire and travel more. Now that has not been an issue the last year, but I want to make sure that, you know, at this point I'm designing sort of the life that I want and um, that I'm creating the business that makes me happy, um, is fulfilling. Get, get it to the level I want, but also make sure that there's some sort of balance in, in my life. Yeah, that's really important too, creating a balance. Did you find, did you have that balance working at kind of those fortune 
50 companies and your first experience as a lawyer. I know often, I mean, I have this media idea of what a lawyer does. So was it difficult? It's it's a lot of hours. And even in-house, which is probably less hours, but more constant hours. A lot of the law firms, it's, you know, you're working on a trial and you're like working all night and then things settle and then you have a lull. Whereas the company is sort of constant. So it's a lot of hours. Um, I thought I had a good balance, but I don't, I think I have a better one now, but yeah. it's funny in some ways, some during the pandemic, I probably worked very hard at doing some of the strategy around my company because what else am I going to do? I'm not doing the travel I planned. Um, so I think, I think people are also being more cognizant of how balance is beneficial to employees. Yeah. I think there's a lot more research. I'm seeing a lot more wellness officers and people at companies and law firms who are focused on the whole aspect of an employee and not just the number of hours that they're working. That's nice. It's nice to hear that that's changing. Slowly, but you know, <laughs> a little, I mean, if someone, I think if someone had said wellness officer, when I was like at a law firm, that would have been like, what are you talking about? You right. just stay all, you know, up all night and you get a couple hours sleep and you come back in. Oh. And then that's where really you were saying how your identity can be wrapped up in that. If you're doing long hours and that's what you're doing and, you know, you're working for that title, of course your identity becomes wrapped up in it. That's everything. Yeah, it's very hard for Pete, a lot of lawyers who are, I think, I don't want to say status driven, maybe achievement driven is a better word, to now and then sort of take stock. Is this the right place for me? Is this place that has me working every weekend, you know, all year, the place where I want to live, but it is the best law firm or the best law firm that does why or the company. And it, it, it's, it's very hard to break away from that when you're achievement oriented. Right. And there's been a lot of really great advice kind of sprinkled in throughout our conversation already, but is there kind of one major big piece of advice you give to people if they're starting out, if they're changing a career, if they're thinking of doing something different? You can always change again. I think we get stuck that once you start on some sort of path, that that's your path. Right. And, you know, I, I mean, this is now do what I say and not what I do because it took me a long time to change. But I've known a lot of people who've done like three, four, five, six different careers and it's worked out great for them. They've gotten different experience. So it's okay to try something out and realize this might not be the best fit. This might not be the job for me. This might not be the company for me because there is some place that will be. And so not to be so afraid of maybe trying something new or different and not you know, being able to get off the path. I remember in the beginning of our conversation, you were talking about how you were afraid of public speaking. And obviously mm-hmm. throughout your career, you've had to conquer that to some extent. And we talked a little bit about how you gradually did that in mm-hmm. at least one company. But it's, how did you, obviously now in your current company, you definitely have to be talking to people. So. Was it just kind of gradual steps along the way, or is there some advice you would have for somebody trying to conquer uh, being afraid of speaking? And that's great. I was petrified. 
I, I the, the being saying the word afraid is not like I almost turn down opportunities for fear of having to speak at meetings or fear of this. I like, so the word was petrified. Okay. And um, so it was that gradual. It was practicing a lot. It was having people like that general counsel who I mentioned, I, who was, became a big fan supporting me yeah. and just said to me, it doesn't matter what you say. People don't know what you've rehearsed. They don't care what you've rehearsed. Just go out there and talk. And he's like, it's all right. And so it was having that support. And then once I got, and I've done it enough, and I tell people, take any opportunity. If you have a fear of public speaking, any opportunity you can. I didn't sleep for days before I had to speak in public. Literally, I was up for three or four days, just so concerned that I was going to have to speak. Um, but just by gradually getting used to it, it becomes so much, it becomes easier. Um, I still rehearse a lot when I do it. And at one point I did get a coach, uh, a woman who I worked for. And I had spoken about the fact that I thought I was now a good public speaker, but I wanted to get more comfortable being a little bit more open about myself, my life, and not being so regimented in how I spoke. And so she actually, I worked with a coach for about a year and a half and it was phenomenal in terms of getting to, if you want to get to that next level. Right. And, but if you don't have that practice in front of friends, just you can, it can be done. I can't emphasize how much like in perpetual fear I was and ill before I, when I used to have to speak. And, and now you can't even tell. <laughs> right. Right. And now I get up all the time in front of audiences and I speak and I get presentations and things go wrong. And I, I think I use the word sex instead of something else and you make a joke about it and it's just okay. Yeah. And you realize that the world doesn't end and people are actually rooting for you in the audience. Right. You know, and that's something you have to remember. No one wants to see someone get up there and fail. Everyone is yeah. rooting for you. And most of the people in the audience also have that fear so they can kind of understand what's going on. Right. And like I said, you just it, find those small places where you can start to do it. And because it is a skill that you, for a lot of jobs, you are going to need to develop if you want to, you know, move to a certain level. Yeah. Even if you think you're going to be behind the scenes, apparently you still get thrust out there. So. I really tried. I wanted to be the, the man behind the curtain that, you know, <laughs> did not work out. Well, and I totally agree. I wanted, I went into academia being a college professor because I thought, you know, oh, I'd have to speak in front of students, but I wouldn't have to be business oriented or put, you know, create a brand for myself or do any of that stuff. And turns out you still have to do that in any career pretty much. So it's hard to escape it. And I've had yeah. people who won't say they want to leave law firms to escape that and go to a company. I'm like, you're not going to escape it. No. Nope. <laughs> you know, so you have, if you want to switch jobs, you have to think hard about why. Right. And whether or not that new job is going to, like you're saying, even allow that transition, allow you to escape what you're trying to escape right. or get into what you're trying to get into. And, and not everyone's going to give you the list of negatives. <laughs> no, many don't. <laughs> so I like it. It's about kind of forcing yourself to do it even when you're uncomfortable and just trying little by little to get better. Yeah. And, and you will get there and you don't have to be the best public speaker in the entire world you just have you know it's like a lot of things you just have to be good enough right and 
you know, you'll have other strengths that people will remember more than that. And then the things that you have to do or say in a meeting, good enough. Yep. And I always say it's, it's weird what people remember when you do public speak. So I teach 40, 50 students at a time and the things that they'll come back and be like, I remember this one obscure thing that you said during this one time you talked. And like, that's the only thing they remember after like a whole semester. So people will kind of pick up different parts of your speech too. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's funny because I've had conversations with friends about this woman spoke about her career and all I remembered was her orange jacket and the story <laughs> she told about that. And then she was like, I was really telling all this other meaningful stuff. And I'm like, yep. yeah, but the orange jacket story was much better. <laughs> people pick whatever resonates with them, I think too, because that's what's exciting about teaching in a classroom is it's the same experience for me. I'm giving the same lecture and 40 people will remember a different piece of that lecture. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Great. And I tell my students that at the beginning, it's, it's kind of how I get them into, you're not going to remember every piece of content from this class. You're going to remember certain things. And so you need to learn how to develop those skills or develop the things that you're, you know, notice what you're paying attention to and not because every single one of you will tell me something different that you remember about this lecture. Um, and I asked them at the end of the class what they remember, and they all remember very different things, just depends <laughs> on their experience and what they're paying attention to and when they're looking at their phone at a certain moment. So, yeah. Well, it, if somebody wants to know more about you or your business, is there somewhere they can go to find out more? Uh, my website is www.focus-forward-consulting.com or you can find me on LinkedIn. And we'll link to all of that stuff um, in our social media. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the Career Journey Podcast. Head over to our website at careerjourneypodcast.com for more information and the latest episodes. See you next time.